Hello and welcome to Beyond Networking, the show where we help you build a sustainable career and a meaningful life with the power of human connection. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and this week we're talking about two terms that are often confused and rarely understood, which is somewhat ironic. We're talking about perspective taking and empathy. In 2006, President Barack Obama delivered the commencement speech for Northwestern University, and in it, he made a huge error. Take a listen and see if you can spot it. You know, there's a lot of talk in this country about the federal deficit. And I think it's important for us to talk about that, but I think we should talk more about another deficit, what I call the empathy deficit. The ability to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, to see the world through those who are different from us the child who's hungry, the laid off steel worker, the immigrant woman who's cleaning up your dorm room. Did you catch the mistake? It was a moving and important message that I tend to agree with. The problem is that President Obama wasn't describing empathy, he was actually describing perspective taking. Now, I'm a human connection specialist, and one of the most common questions I'm asked after delivering a keynote or a workshop is why don't you ever talk about empathy? It's reasonable to assume that I would spend a lot of time on what empathy is, why it's so important, and how to develop it or get better at it. And yet, I rarely even use the word in my programs. So, in this episode, I'm going to clear up the confusion around empathy and explain why. As someone who teaches human connection for a living, I spend so little time talking about it. Okay, what's the difference? Empathy, perspective taking. Empathy is the ability to feel what someone else is feeling as if it were happening to you. You see this idea expressed in science fiction characters known as empaths. Think of Professor X, his characterization in the first class movie trilogy, not so much the original comics, or Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Empathic characters use their ability to literally feel what someone else is going through in order to either ease their suffering, in the case of good characters, or manipulate them, in the case of evil characters. Here in the real world, empath is also used to describe the personality type of people who are highly sensitive to others' feelings and emotions. And as we'll discuss later, that is not necessarily a good thing. Perspective taking, on the other hand, is the ability to see the world from the point of view of another person. Notice this has nothing to do with feelings or emotions. Rather, perspective taking is about understanding where someone is coming from and why they might hold the views that they do. My friend Parag Joshi, who was the organizer of TEDx Manchester High School, where I delivered my now viral TEDx talk on perspective taking, he says, Perspective taking is the ability to say, I'm here, but I can see why you're there. It's a cool way of thinking of it. And at this point, you might be saying, Brian, why are you being so pedantic about the particular use of these words? Well, our world is literally shaped by the words we use. As Wittgenstein said, the limits of my language mean the limits of my world. If we're not using the same words in the same way, our entire ability to understand each other breaks down and all conversation is fraught. So let's talk about empathy as properly defined. And the big question is this Are we really losing our ability to empathize? In short, yes. 
A decades-long study by the University of Michigan released in 2010 revealed that measurable empathy among college students declined 40% between the 1970s and the 2000s. And most of that decline happened in the last decade of the study, concurrent with the rise of social media as communication moved from in-person or calls to texts and emojis. And I know, I know, this is one of those get-off-my-lawn moments. I'm feeling a little old ragging on people for texting and using emojis. Goodness knows I both text and use emojis. Although, in truth, I'm kind of a gif guy myself. Anyway, the truth is digital communication creates a psychological barrier between you and the person you're conversing with. We craft, edit, and curate our responses to the point where there's no humanity left. And in the absence of tone of voice, eye contact, or body language, it's almost impossible to treat someone as an individual with feelings, worries, and concerns similar to ourselves. I call this the magic of mess. Real in-person conversations are messy. When we say something hurtful, we immediately see the impact and we feel bad or guilty about it because deep down, we each have an instinct to be fair and kind. The real-time aspect of conversation scares people, especially millennials and Gen Z who grew up with a viable alternative that feels safer, texting. Except it's not safer. It's merely more comfortable. And the science about comfort is clear. The only time we learn and grow as humans is when we are pushed outside of our comfort zone. So if empathy is obviously good and we are losing our ability to do it, then why don't I talk about it? Well, to answer that, let's try a quick thought experiment. You're walking alone past a shallow lake and you notice a small child drowning. You can easily wade in. What do you do? Well, if you're like all non-sociopathic adults, you jump in and save the child without a second thought. Of course you do. But that answer is very revealing about empathy. Let's turn to Paul Bloom, a professor of psychology at Yale University. This is something he wrote in his most recent book, Against Empathy. Quote, What motivates this good act? It is possible, I suppose, that you might imagine what it feels like to be drowning or anticipate what it would be like to be the child's mother or father hearing that she drowned. But that's hardly necessary. You don't need empathy to realize it's wrong to let a child drown. Any normal person would just wade in and scoop up the child without bothering with any of this empathic hoo-ha. I love a Yale psychologist got hoo-ha into his book. Bloom's point isn't that empathy is bad, but that it's not necessary for making good moral decisions. The question then is, what is necessary for making good moral decisions? And I'm going to say the answer is perspective taking. Let's talk about skills and emotions. I don't talk about empathy because empathy is an emotional state. It's something you feel, and it's really hard to teach somebody how to feel something more, better, or at all. Yes, it can be done. Therapists spend months or years meeting regularly with clients to make those kinds of changes. I know because my wife is a therapist, but I'm a speaker. I'm a consultant. Sometimes I have as little as 30 minutes on stage with an audience, or if I'm lucky, as much as three hours, but that's not really a lot of time. The reason I teach perspective taking is because it's a skill. And as a skill, it can be learned honed, practiced, and developed by absolutely anyone. 
I can give you pairs or group exercises, and then I can teach you specific techniques to practice in your daily interactions over the next few weeks. Those of you who are listening because you've attended have probably been through some of these exercises. And just like any other skill, you will improve with repeated practice and commitment over time. What improves? Well, what improves is your ability to understand someone else's point of view. Not to feel what they're feeling, but to see the world from their perspective. Perspective taking is such a useful skill because it provides context for our interactions, particularly when emotions are running high. And crucially, it allows us to figure out where we disagree, right? Does this person know something you don't? Do they believe something you don't? Do they want something you don't want? If you've ever seen an airline passenger screaming at a gate agent because the door is closed and they want to get on their flight, you realize how useful perspective taking actually is. The passenger and the gate agent, they both want the same thing. They want the passenger to make their flight. And probably they also know the same thing. The door is closed, but the plane's still here. I can see the plane. It's right out that window. So they want the same thing and they know the same thing. But if the passenger did a little perspective taking, they'd realize it's their beliefs that diverge. The passenger might ask, under what circumstances could you open that door for us? And the gate agent might say, there are no circumstances. It's against airline policy for safety reasons. I literally couldn't open the door even for my own mother. I'm, I'm so sorry. The passenger and the gate agent are not misaligned on wants or needs in this case, but on belief. The passenger believed it was possible for the gate agent to open the door if only they yelled loud enough or pleaded enough or said just the right words in the right order. But that belief was mistaken. Perspective taking wouldn't get the jet bridge door open, but it would open up a conversational door about how to get on a different flight with the least amount of delay. Kindness and respect always win out. We know this, but emotions tend to cloud that fact. We've been talking about the practical reasons why I don't discuss empathy, but there's a darker, more sinister reason. Earlier, I mentioned that being highly sensitive to other people's emotions is not necessarily a good thing. Empaths often have trouble distinguishing their own emotions from others, and such jarring emotional swings can lead to burnout, anxiety, and a host of related physical symptoms like distressed stomach and headaches. Worse, decisions made from a place of empathy, while well-intentioned, are often irrational, and studies prove it. In one psychological experiment, subjects were asked how much money they would give to help develop a drug that would save the life of one child. Other subjects were asked how much money they'd give to develop a drug to save the lives of eight children. And people gave roughly the same in both situations. But here's where it gets interesting. A third group was asked about a single child and also shown a picture with the child's name. This time, donations went through the roof. In fact, that group gave significantly higher donations to one child when they saw their name and face than anyone gave to eight. What's going on here? This is known as the identifiable victim effect, and it's a short circuit in our rationality caused by empathy. We are much more likely to give or help when we see specifically who our efforts are helping. That's the basis of reciprocal altruism. I feel good seeing somebody else benefit from my good deeds, so I want to do more of it. And that's a useful part of our biology held over from the early days of humanity when helping a single person at a time in your immediate vicinity was the key to survival. But today, the most helpful you can be, dollar for dollar, 
is simply donating to the fight against malaria. And the very best way to do that is to just automate your monthly donation like any other bill you pay. You will save more lives and do more good by simply staying at home and sending automated payments to the Against Malaria Foundation. This is what Paul Bloom calls rational compassion. But it doesn't feel good to do that. It feels so much better to donate to a local cause in your community where you can see your money being put to work. And it feels even better to donate to a specific child who you could eventually meet. They might hug you or thank you, and you'll definitely get that sweet selfie for social media. Empathy is good in theory, but often problematic in practice. And parents know the difference between empathy and rational compassion. Your child wants to eat ice cream for dinner or play video games instead of reading. Empathy makes us feel their anguish and disappointment as if it was our own. What's the harm in letting them eat ice cream for dinner? It'll make them so happy. But that's not our job as parents, to make them happy. Our job is to guide them to be healthy adults who make good decisions. And part of that is sacrificing their short-term happiness for long-term fulfillment, a choice they cannot yet make for themselves. Parents act out of rational compassion when they tell their child, no, I'm not buying you a toy. We're shopping for your cousin's birthday. It's not your turn today. Parents suffer the emotional meltdown knowing it's in their child's long-term best interest. Too much empathy could turn a child into a selfish monster. When your child's throwing a fit over finishing their vegetables or not getting a toy, perspective-taking is a much better tool. It allows you to truly understand where the child is coming from, which in turn makes it easier to make the right decision without feeling like a terrible parent, while also being nurturing and kind in the face of, you're ruining my life! <laughs> I'm not for a second arguing that empathy is all out bad and perspective taking is always the answer. The decline in empathy across society is worrisome. While too much empathy might lead us to irrational decisions, at least they're irrationally well-intentioned. On the other hand, too little empathy leads to an uncaring society who prefers yelling past each other and cutting people down to righteously advance any cause. I would rather have too much empathy than too little. Still, as a speaker, as a consultant, in the brief time I've got during a program, I can't teach somebody how to be more empathic. And honestly, neither can the self-help industry. If you want to be a more empathic person, you should consult a therapist. You can, however, learn the skill of perspective taking. And if you practice that skill over time, you will naturally become more empathic. Well, that's it for this week's episode. If you want to learn and develop the perspective-taking skill, you can start with my free resource, Seven Ways to Talk to Anyone Without Looking Like an Idiot. Grab it at softskillsarehard.com. If you want to go deeper, my TEDx talk, How to Magically Connect with Anyone, and eventually, if you want to go even deeper than that, you can grab my book, Three New People. Links to all of that in the show notes for this episode. That being said, my name is Brian Miller. Thanks so much for sticking with me. And always remember, our world is a shared experience. Every interaction is meaningful. And every person you meet, even virtually, is important. And we'll speak soon. 